This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Well, we got our Super Bowl matchup. It's Tom versus Mahomes. And we'll get to that game in a bit. But we actually start with another pair of all-pro quarterbacks with the Lions officially putting Matthew Stafford on the block. And according to Adam Schefter yesterday, Deshaun Watson is expected to ask for a trade regardless of who the Texans hire as their next head coach. Aside from likely having new homes this year, Robert, here's another thing they have in common. Both players had Sean Ryan as their quarterback coach. Sean Ryan worked with Stafford in Detroit and with Watson in Houston. In the last hour, he's been officially named Ryan, the new Panthers quarterback coach. He seemed to be in line to be the next offensive coordinator if Joe Brady were to get a head coaching job this year, which it doesn't look like is going to happen, or if he gets a head coaching job in the future. Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. Robert, when you were growing up, what's the best gift you ever received for Christmas? Uh, Probably a Donkey Kong Nintendo 64. It was green. I remember the box. Now, what if that same year, I don't know if you have any siblings, but if you did, the same year you got the N64, you had a sibling get an Xbox, a PlayStation with a dozen of the best games available. How would you feel? Uh, For this, I will be upset. But I, I really wouldn't be upset because we would both share. You'd probably both share. But what if you weren't able to share? You'd probably be upset because you were like, wait, why did I just get the N64 while they got the two game consoles with a dozen games connected to it? If Carolina lands Stafford, which I think is very possible, I bet Panther fans would be disappointing wanting a Deshaun Watson for Christmas. Here's what else we know here. Carolina is looking for its future quarterback. Regardless if any coach has outwardly said Teddy Bridgewater is not the future of this team, which has not happened. Reading between the lines, it's pretty obvious how Carolina feels. David Tepper saying a lot of the same things he said about Cam, even though with Cam it was more about injury than it was overall talent level. Talking about having the right quarterback that can win Super Bowls until you find that you have to reassess, and we're reassessing. Talking about Seattle and New England, it helps if you have the quarterback. Pretty much saying that Carolina doesn't have that right now. So they're reassessing, and they're trying to figure out if they can get a franchise quarterback in the building. They're not going to be able to compete for Watson. They don't have enough draft capital. Maybe they could have. If last offseason they got something back for Cam, if they got something back for Greg Olson rather than letting him walk mutually, both sides mutually agreeing to part ways, even though Greg said after the fact that's not exactly how it went down. Congrats to Greg, by the way, who announced his retirement yesterday. You trade away a Pro Bowl guard and Trey Turner. What do you get back? No draft picks, and instead, a left tackle with one year left on his deal, 31 years old, that only played seven of the 16 games for you. If Carolina got picks back, maybe they could land a Deshaun Watson. 
But as it currently stands, Carolina needs their draft picks. They have too many needs to give up a ton and bring in Deshaun. Also, I don't think they can compete in this arms race with the stockpile that Miami and the Jets have. So it's a pipe dream to get Watson. It's not going to happen. Matthew Stafford, though, has the same remaining contract, essentially, as Teddy in terms of how much is going to be paid out on the books. Teddy this year, $20 million, $20 million his last year, even though there's practically no guaranteed money on that last year. Matthew Stafford, it's $23 million and $20 million the last two years of his deal. That's pretty good. Carolina's been pretty clear. Steve Fitterer, Scott Fitterer, excuse me. He was asked what he thought a franchise quarterback was last week. Ideally, what a franchise quarterback was. His answer, somebody who can win a game at the end. Teddy was 0 for 7 in situations he had the ball with an opportunity to win it for Carolina. His stats go back further than last year. Starting at Minnesota, his starts with New Orleans. Opportunities, I guess not with New Orleans, but especially with Minnesota, had opportunities to win games at the end and just didn't do it. Meanwhile, Stafford, eighth in NFL history with 58 or make it 38 game-winning drives. He is seventh in NFL history with fourth-quarter comebacks. In other words, if Matthew Stafford was playing quarterback for the Panthers last year instead of Teddy. Carolina's a playoff team. In Matt Rule's first year without an offseason, I think Carolina's a playoff team. It's not that simple. It's not that black and white. But I think if you have just the slightest upgrade at quarterback, someone who can win those close games that Carolina lost so often, I think Carolina gets to 8-8. Eight and eight. And 8-8 eight and eight was good enough to get in for the Chicago Bears. So if you add... Stafford this year as the team is trending upward with the new coach that's rebuilding and Joe Brady coming back. That's a pretty good spot. I think Carolina probably is a playoff team this year. Now you might be thinking, Josh, how old is Matthew Stafford? He will turn 33 next month, which means he'll be 33 when the season starts. That doesn't really concern me so much. He was all pro quality this past year. He's going to be all-pro quality, I think, for probably the next five years, the way that quarterbacks can age nowadays. The type of hits you can have on a quarterback, very limited. The sport changing to make things easier for the quarterback. That's how you have 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers going up against 43-year-old Tom Brady yesterday. Age doesn't really concern me. Is he still a bridge quarterback? Maybe. But I think there's a deal out there. If Carolina were to give up a first-round draft pick next year and you're banking on making the playoffs and not having a top-15 pick, you give Teddy to Detroit for them to draft a first-round pick, a top-10 pick this year at QB. They do that. They don't want to start him immediately. Teddy, you can start him this year and get rid of him for practically nothing next year. I don't know if the Lions would go for that, but I think it'd be pretty close. If it was, say, a third-round pick this year, and a first-rounder next year, and you get Matthew Stafford in with two years left on his contract, and it's a very team-friendly deal, I don't think that's the worst move for Carolina. There are worse moves out there. But 
rather than getting into what's right and wrong, I'm just want to talk about what's possible. And Stafford on the Panthers is a possibility. I think it's a pipe dream to get Deshaun Watson. Stafford, though, you got to remember, Tepper and Fitterer, they want to be aggressive. This was Fitterer last week when he was talking about Carolina's philosophy in the hypothetical sense, pursuing quarterbacks during the offseason. This is the new Panthers GM. Well, I'm not going to get, get into uh, hypotheticals. What I will tell you is we will be on, in on every deal. We're going to find out where things are going, what the landscape is in the NFL. So there's a lot of things we're going to be involved with going forward. We're going to be very aggressive in our acquisition process. And you got an owner who's worth $13 billion. Never been to the playoffs as the Panthers owner. It's crazy to think, but this year is going to mark the fourth season Tepper's owned this team. Richest owner in terms of net worth across the league. You don't think it bothers him that his team hasn't been to the playoffs yet? Don't overlook that. Sometimes it might be as simple as, how can I get to the playoffs this year? I, I don't want to miss the playoff. We can easily say, be patient. This is what's best for the five to ten year. And maybe David Tepper thinks that way. But there's a equal chance Tepper thinks, I, I want to get to the playoffs if Stafford gets us there. We know Teddy Bridgewater isn't the answer. Let's let's roll the dice a bit. Let's take a chance. And it would not surprise me if Carolina takes a stab at it. It wanted it all. Shifting things to the Super Bowl. When I try to get a feel for a game, yeah, I think everybody does it differently. Some people, they dive into stats, maybe compare the stars for each team. For me, I always go to Vegas. That's where I go first. Because the folks out west, they know what they're doing. The line for Super Bowl 55 has opened with the Chiefs as a three-point favorite against the Bucks. But when you hear public perception, if you listen to the television shows, the talking heads, sports radio shows on this station leading up to us being on the air today, you'd probably think the line was a little bit wider than that. It seems many believe Kansas City is a slam dunk to win. I'd push against that. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Do not count out Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. It's not quite that simple. Diving deeper into things, the Chiefs announced that left tackle Eric Fisher is done for the rest of the year. He has blown out his Achilles. That's your starting left tackle. That was the number one overall pick nearly a decade ago by the Chiefs. Just a solid left tackle his entire career. That's why you take him number one overall. In the offseason, you had another one of your linemen decide to opt out for the year. So this is not the same Kansas City offensive line we saw in the Super Bowl a year ago. They're going to be going up against a Tampa Bay pass rush that is tied for fourth in the league in team sacks. They had two against Kansas City the last time they met in the regular season. Speaking of that game, that was the only time this year Kansas City's faced a team ranked in the top seven pass rushes in the league. That's it. You know, they haven't faced the top level pass rushes other than their one meeting 
with Tampa Bay, and they gave up a couple of sacks in that game, and that was with Eric Fisher in the lineup. So that's a pretty significant deal. Secondarily, I don't think the talent gap's very wide. Let's just start with wide receivers. Tom, it's been an entire season development to try and get on the same page with Chris Goblin, get on the same page with... Antonio Brown, ABB, and added halfway through the year, did not play yesterday, but is expected to play in the Super Bowl. When you just look at the weapons themselves, Mike Evans, another guy I forgot to mention there, they're not far off from the Kansas City Chiefs. They added Leonard Fournette. They're not that far off. I'd still take Kansas City skill, guys, don't get me wrong, but I don't think the talent gap's as wide as you might think. The quarterback gap... Is it terribly wide? Patrick Mahomes, he's the best player in the league. We can agree on that. But how wide are you willing to say that gap is in a Super Bowl between him and Tom Brady? I think if you ask 10 different people, you might get 10 different answers. The defense, that gap's not wide. In fact, I'd give Tampa Bay the advantage in that. Don't count out the Bucks in Super Bowl 55. Betting against Tom, it's always a bad idea. People have been doing this for over a dozen years, it feels like. When Tom won three out of his first four Super Bowls, won Super Bowls three out of his first four years, you have people saying, okay, well, Tom is great, but it's the defense that's winning these Super Bowls. Then he gets Randy Moss. They go undefeated in 2007. They don't win the Super Bowl, though. They don't win a Super Bowl with Moss or Wes Welker. At that point... After the loss to the New York Giants 2011 season, you have people doubting, okay, we've Brady, he won with that great defense. He wasn't able to win with Randy Moss and Wes Welker. The weapons, they're never going to be as good as they were right here. The guy's done. He's probably not going to win another Super Bowl. Then in 2014, they start 1-2. and two. Fittingly against Kansas City, it's a Monday night game they lose. Everybody's burying the Patriots. The dynasty burying Tom well, then they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. The next year was the year that Denver won. Peyton Manning was close to 40 years old, but not quite there. I think he was 39 when he beat the Panthers. He was on his last legs, looked terrible. I don't even think he threw for over 100 yards in that Super Bowl. But he was the oldest quarterback to start a Super Bowl at that point. Since that happened five years ago that game, Tom Brady is about to break Peyton's record for the fourth time. Four Super Bowl appearances in the last five years. Don't bet against Tom Brady. It's not a smart move. This isn't me saying the Bucs are going to win. We have two weeks to try and figure that out. But I'm really excited for what this Super Bowl matchup can be. The Drive with Josh Graham. He's confident, smart, witty, vicious, brutal, vindictive, a monster. This is an evil man. Maybe, but he knows his sports. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. We'll talk to Brooke Pryor in just a few minutes. She covered Pat Mahomes in college. Covered his first few years in the NFL and now covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for ESPN. She's also a part of my Bachelor Clubhouse show that you can watch after tonight's episode at 10 o'clock. 
with former Deacon Matt James, the star of this season. So look forward to catching up with Brooke in just a bit. She's from the Triad, so we'll get her back on in the 336. But before we do that, I want to talk about Duke a bit. Because while I think North Carolina's development is right on schedule, where they can still be a national title contender by the time they get to March, I do not feel that way about the Blue Devils. And it's not because they're on their first three-game losing skid in five years. I'm not reacting to the now. I'm looking at the overall bigger picture of things. I felt like Duke was a team that needed as many games together as pretty much anybody else in the league. North Carolina's in that same boat. Here's the difference, though. The Tar Heels have played 15 games more than everybody else in the ACC. Duke's played 10, tied for Wake, for the least games played in the ACC. I think they're going to run out of runway to try and develop this team. I was watching Casino Royale this weekend, Robert. Have you ever seen that? The James Bond movie? Of course. Yeah. And it falls into the uh, Fast and Furious discussion of unrealistic airport scenes. How long is that runway? You know, <laughs> it seems like that runway is about eight miles. I don't know if runways generally go that long. I, I just think it's an unrealistic thing there. So I think they're running out of runway, unlike James Bond or Vin Diesel in the movies. They've only played 10 games. They're adjusting, trying to figure out what exactly they are. Generally, when you get to the 15-game mark, that's when you start figuring out who you are. That's not going to happen until February 9th, and that's assuming that COVID doesn't get in the way of that. It's not enough games for them to gel. Jalen Johnson, he's only played in half the games. The defense, it's an alarming thing. This is just the second Duke team I can remember that is playing zone from the jump. In 2018, that happened. That was the Marvin Bagley, uh, Wendell Carter team, Grayson Allen's final year at Duke. But this team opened up against Louisville in a zone, and the reason's alarming, too. Coach K said it after the Pittsburgh game, and he said it after the game on Saturday. We're too small not to be playing zone. When's the last time you were able to say that about Duke? Matthew Hurt, he's been great. Three of the last four games over 20 points. Really good interior threat, but he's not a dominant physical force the way that the last three years Duke has always had in its post. You had last year uh, an ACC Player of the Year candidate in Vernon Carey. Zion the year before that. The year before that, I mentioned Wendell Carter and I mentioned Marvin Bagley. You have to go back a pretty long ways to find the last time Duke's playing small, and Duke's playing zone by choice because they're so small. This doesn't strike me as a team that can transform in a month into a team that can contend. But understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying Duke's not going to make the NCAA tournament because you got to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially with less teams eligible to get in. Duke hasn't missed with Coach K on the sidelines. Of course, you have the 95-year. Duke hasn't missed an NCAA tournament with K on the sideline since the tournament expanded in 1985. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they can be a good team that can get anybody on a given night. But this is not your national championship Duke team because of how little they've played. Okay, I want to transition things. Getting back to the NFL, Brooke Pryor now joining us. She is from the 336. She is going to be a part of the Bachelor 
clubhouse show that we still need the name. I haven't quite figured out what the name of that's going to be. She covered Patrick Mahomes in the Big 12. The times that he ran up against Oklahoma, one of those games was 66-59, to 59, if I remember correctly. And on top of that, covered the first two years Patrick Mahomes started for the Kansas City Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. Brooke now working for ESPN covering the Steelers. Brooke, welcome back on in the triad. How are you? I am great. And actually, I got some exciting news this morning. Um, I will be covering the Super Bowl for ESPN, so I'll get to cover Patrick Mahomes yet again <laughs> going down there uh, in like 10 days to do some pinch hitting for some Chiefs coverage. There you go. At B.E. Pryor on Twitter. She's going to be covering Super Bowl 55 in a couple of weeks. Some news broken right here on the show. As So you were there at the very beginning when Mahomes started games for the Chiefs. So I'm sure you were told a lot of stories before he started about how things looked in practice, what we didn't see. When Alex Smith was starting, then they move off of Alex Smith after the season. Some questioned the decision when Alex Smith was taking the Chiefs to the playoffs and winning a division. Um, Nobody asked that question a year later when Mahomes won the MVP. So what's the best story you can tell me about the point Kansas City realized not only did they draft a first-round quarterback that could be the future of the team, they drafted a truly special talent. Oh, man, the best story. There's so many about Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, he was he was honestly the reason that I took the job in the first place to cover the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star because I saw him play against Baker Mayfield when he was at Texas Tech, and that's the best college football game I've ever seen. But... To me, I think when the Chiefs realized just how good he was with Brett Veach evaluating him, I mean, Brett Veach gets a ton of credit for what he's done to pull this team together, but I think he should get the most credit for for identifying Patrick Mahomes in the draft process, going to John Dorsey at the time, going to Andy Reid and saying, this is our guy, this is the guy we have to have. They pulled off the trade to get him. To me... His ability to evaluate talent and to see how good this guy can be, I mean, he he just deserves all of all the praise for seeing that. But I mean, even hearing how good Mahomes was in high school, you know, playing different sports, playing baseball, just doing things that other kids couldn't do uh, his whole life as just you know, it's really cool to look back now and see where he is going to his second Super Bowl. And it's definitely a situation where you look at him as a kid and it's like, how could we not have known that this is where he would end up? <laughs> just everything he was able to do and growing up in a family with a dad as a professional baseball player. He grew up in the locker rooms. He's been around pro sports. It's just, I mean, it's it's the perfect situation for him to be here and to be building his own dynasty, and how freaking cool is it that he gets to go against Brady in the Super Bowl, and my la- my the only year I was covering the Chiefs was the year that they lost in the AFC Championship game, and Brady sought him out after the game to talk to him, and now they're going to get to go at it again in the Super Bowl. I, it's, the storylines are awesome. Watching the TV shows this morning, listening to some of the radio shows, it seems like to me many believe – oh, the Chiefs are going to win, it's a slam dunk. But without Eric Fisher going up against a team that's tied for fourth in the league in sacks in Tampa, I'm not quite there. I'm not, 
I don't think it's smart to ever make a living betting against Tom Brady. In fact, that's the analysis that Kevin Keats, NC State basketball coach, told us about 30 minutes ago. Don't bet against that Tom Brady guy, and he doesn't even watch the league that closely. I know you do, so what's your initial impression of this game? You know, I I agree with Kevin Keats. I ne- I'm never going to disagree with him because I think that that is a great point. I'm glad that I don't have to put money on this game and that I get to enjoy it. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> when I watch the Chiefs and I see what they are able to do, yes, losing Eric Fisher is huge. But Mahomes' mobility, I think, is going to help mitigate that loss. I think that the Chiefs, Mike Remmers, I think, is who they're going to plug in there at left tackle. I mean, don't get me wrong. You want to keep him protected, and the fact that he's dealing with turf toe um, makes it even scarier to think, oh, my gosh, we're losing this key piece of his protection. But to me, it doesn't seem to matter what hurdle you throw at Mahomes. He's going to find a way to win. So, no, I don't want to bet against Tom Brady, but I even less want to bet against Patrick Mahomes. He had that crazy hit a week ago where he gets you know hit, tackled in the neck, and that goes – you know, it, it knocks him out of the game. He's not able to come back, you know. And then he still was able to start in the AFC Championship game, play a great game, and the rest of the team around him, I think they're all just playing at such a high level that I'm not betting against the Chiefs anytime soon. Yeah, I've got about a minute here. Brooke Pryor's with us here. Uh, ESPN going to be covering the Super Bowl tonight. She'll be with me after the Bachelor episode on Clubhouse, and we're talking about Matt James' season. Okay, so he is a North Carolina guy that went to Wake Forest. You grew up in the triad. You went to school in the triangle where Matt James is originally from. Does there any, is there anything when you see Matt that immediately strikes you as very Wake Forest or very North Carolina? Oh my gosh. So many things. Like just from the, from the minute he started talking, I just felt like I heard Raleigh. Like there's just, there's something that, like, you can't even put your finger on it because it's not like a southern accent, but it's just like a very distinct, refined Raleigh slash Wake Forest, just, <laughs> I, just, just era, aura. I, I don't even know how to fully put it into words, but everything about him, I was just like, oh, yeah, you totally went to Wake. And, like, I mean, I only have a little bit of hard feelings against Wake. That was the only school that straight up put me on the wait list Oof. when I applied coming out of high school. I'm clearly still definitely very much not over that. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I watched this season. I'm like, oh, of course. And I, again, I said this on the clubhouse last week. I still don't buy that he's never had a charcuterie board. <laughs> again, you went to Wake, you were from Raleigh. You've had a charcuterie board whether you knew it or not. There were meat and cheeses and spreads and crackers. There it is. Some place where you were. Yeah, I, I, I buy into that. I'm with you on it, Brooke. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you later. Congratulations on getting to cover the Super Bowl. And thanks for making time and your stomping grounds in the triad today. Absolutely. I'm going to go nap, so I'm ready to go for the clubhouse later tonight. Boom. She's on Twitter, at B.E. Pryor. Watch us on Clubhouse later. You are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals make up Sports Hub Triad. Josh Graham has his finger on the Triad Sports Pulse. So wash your wrist when he's finished. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. All right, it's one of our favorite segments of the week. 
Hot takes, bring them. 336-777-1600, the phone number. This is the week that I think we get most reckless. Probably the two weeks leading up to Super Bowl 55. 777-1600 and on Twitter at SportsUbTriad. To play along in, let's get crazy. Robert, if somebody comes in with the take we deem to be red hot, face searing hot, how will they be rewarded? Yes, that is the sound you're going to be rewarded with. Hot takes at 777-1600. We will not judge a take for being too hot, but we will judge it if it's not hot enough. To show us how it's done... We've got the human highlighter up first. Human highlighter, let's get crazy. Woo! Let me tell you, it's the man, the myth, the little legend, the one man responsible for saving the best segment in radio, the HHL. Now, before I get to my hot take, Josh, I want to let you listeners in on one thing. Tune in next week, and I want you to take this week, and I want you to go empty out your checking account, empty <laughs> out your college tuition. Anything out your savings, bag, bottle, and steal all the money that you can muster up. Because the HHL next week, at this very time, is going to tell you where to lay your money in the Super Bowl, and you're going to make a fortune. Now, my heart says, I listen to you, Josh. I got a lot of respect for you, Josh. But let me tell you, Coach K, I have seen the crack in the armor. The man has sat up on his throne in that castle for far too long. We know that his mentor with Coach Knight. We know that he cusses just like Coach Knight and just like Coach Knight. Coach K, this year, this team is going to send him off the brink. He's going to do something so heinous that he's going to be forced to resign from Duke University men's basketball program and go out in disgrace. Woo! Holla! I love the take so much because could you imagine if Zoom existed with Coach Knight was the head coach of Indiana. He wouldn't be able to strangle a reporter if the reporter was sitting in their home. Would that make people more courageous in asking questions to Coach Knight if there wasn't the fear that they could get strangled in that spot? I'd probably think so. Robert, I got the next take here. 336-777-1600 if you want in. I watched a couple movies with Sarah Bradford this weekend, one of which, Casino Royale, James Bond, had Daniel Craig starring as 007. I think Daniel Craig's become the best James Bond. Don't get me wrong. I love Pierce Brosnan. I loved uh, Sean Connery. I love watching the old James Bond movies. But Daniel Craig... This year, the fifth James Bond movie he's been in is going to release. And I think the two best James Bond movies I've ever seen are starring Daniel Craig, Casino Royale, and also Skyfall. Terrific Adele song. I love Skyfall. Probably the best James Bond movie I've ever seen. So Daniel Craig, he is the best Bond. I also watched this weekend with Sarah Bradford, American Psycho. You strike me as somebody who'd like American Psycho. It's a good flick. 
You like Whitney Houston? <laughs> she has four unbelievable tracks on the title album, her debut album that is simply called Whitney. Crucial, really. Let's go to Brendan in High Point. Brendan in High Point, let's get crazy. All right, Josh. The PGA Tour this summer will pave the way for normality again. They will be the first professional sport to host, um, let's say, 200,000 people in one one place. Wow. You think it's going to be the Masters, or are they already said limited capacity? No, nah, it'll, be, it'll be the U.S. Open. It'll okay. be the U.S. Open. All right, there you go. Brendan in High Point talking about how we're going to get more fans at some of these sporting events later on this summer. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along. How about I go to Robert? Robert, let's get crazy. Despite all the great quarterback play that's going to go on in the Super Bowl, I think we are going to see a non-quarterback MVP this year. Thinking out loud, it would be Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey, probably most likely. Well, see, if the Chiefs win, I think it's hard, unless a defensive player gets a touchdown. But not Hardman? No, not Hardman. But if Brady wins, like you're trying to say, if he has another... I, I'm not saying he's going to win. Just go I with have it. Just go weeks, with it. I have two weeks to think about this, but right. if he wins... So if Brady wins and he puts up a stat line similar to what he did in the NFC Championship game, I think that opens up an avenue for a defensive player to possibly win, and I think that's going to be in Dominic Sue. I think he's going to have a terrific game for reasons you already specified. I'm going to go with him as my MVP. Eric Fisher, not playing. Interior D-line, pretty good for Tampa Bay. Really good pass rush as well. While we're on the topic of the NFL here, I think... The Detroit Lions will trade Matthew Stafford and a first-round pick to the Houston uh, Houston Texans in exchange for Deshaun Watson. But that's not it. This year, the Texans make the playoffs with Teddy at quarterback. Detroit misses the playoffs with Deshaun. Do you think Deshaun would nix a trade if it involved the Detroit Lions? He has the no-trade clause. I think it depends. Uh, it depends a lot on who they're going to bring in and stuff with after the draft, how the draft goes. I, I don't know. They would have to have a fantastic draft. I don't know if he nixes it, but I, I don't think that's where he's wanna, he'd want to go. No. But especially if Galladay gets away. I like, would say pickers would... Pickers can't be choosers, but in this circumstance, pickers can be choosers because Deshaun Watson has the no-trade clause. All right, Robert, let's get crazy. Close uh, us out. Last one here. Let's get crazy. I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus lately, and you know I'm not a huge fan of the superhero movies, but WandaVision. That show is going to make superhero TV shows Oh, cool stop. WandaVision? I, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's a great cast, and I that's a part of the story that I didn't know so much about, and I wasn't going to be an easy sell on it, but three episodes in, I'm sold. I really enjoy it. Are there other superhero TV shows? Uh, I would say the ones that I'm thinking about are like Smallville, Arrow, like stuff on the CW that I think is just pure, basic cable garbage. 
This is different from that. What about Heroes? Uh, Heroes was okay the first two seasons. After that, I think it kind of fell off, but I didn't stick with it till the end either, so maybe it got better. But Loki is also coming out sometime in March, and I, I, I cannot wait to check that out. Me and Sarah Bradford, we're about finished with How I Met Your Mother. We hope to start Scrubs in the next week. That's our next show. We've, we've blown through Seinfeld during the pandemic. We've blown through now How I Met Your Mother. Scrubs is next, and we're taking submissions of what the next show after that should be. I don't think we have enough time right here. This has been Let's Get Crazy to talk about the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO+. Plus. What is it called now? HBO Max, not Plus. But boy, was that good. Boy, was that really good. Oh, Mike just tweeted in, how's Teddy going to be the quarterback of Houston? I meant Stafford go to the Houston Texans and make the playoffs. I was talking about the other trade that we did earlier involving the Panthers and the Detroit Lions. I guess this would be a three-team trade with Houston. So that's a good catch on your part, Mike. Houston. In this let's get crazy situation, we go to the playoffs with not Teddy, which would be a really hot take, but uh, Matthew Stafford. And the Lions would not with the Sean Watson at quarterback. All right, here's what we're going to do. I can see Matthew Stafford in a Panthers uniform. I'm not there when it comes to Deshaun Watson, but with Stafford, I, I think it could happen. I'll explain my thinking next on The Drive. I'm sorry I'm a little winded. A lot of talk. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. If you missed our conversation with NC State coach Kevin Keats, it's on our podcast channel. Just search The Drive with Josh Graham and make sure you're subscribed to the Best of Josh Graham podcast or the Best of The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. You don't want the Best of Josh Graham podcast. I don't know what that would consist of, Robert, but it doesn't really sound good. Maybe, see, Darren Vaught, he's been threatening to put up videos of me singing karaoke on social media including one of me singing R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly. That's not great. Can I get canceled if I sing R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly in public? I don't think so, no. I'm glad to hear that. So, Darren, go ahead and post away. Post that if you want to. Do your worst. Tomorrow we're going to have Bob Ryan join us to talk about Kobe Bryant's legacy Tomorrow's mar- tomorrow marks one year since Kobe got in that tragic helicopter accident. And we'll get into plenty more stuff with Brian Geisiger and Brendan Marks when they join us as well. Right now, speaking of their specialty, which is ACC basketball, that's the subject of Graham's grades. Every week is a test in the ACC. Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly ass name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Hey, teacher, leave kids alone. Time for Graham's grades. A through F. 
ranking things in the ACC this past weekend. We start with the really good. Everybody wants to get an A. I'll tell you who gets one. A. Ish Masood and Steve Forbes. Ish had 31 points on 8 of 9 shooting a game after he went scoreless against North Carolina. 8 of 9 from 3, I should say. 31 points for Ish Masood. Steve Forbes, his first ACC win. Robert, he said he was going to celebrate by drinking the Gatorade in front of him, then go home and drink an adult beverage. So the press conference ends. I say to Coach Forbes, enjoy that cold beverage. And he said, it's not going to be one. I promise you that. That's an A performance from Coach Forbes. Maybe Coach K should take notes from how Coach Forbes does his press conferences. He went home. He said he was upset about a few turnovers <laughs> and walked straight into his house not noticing that people, Wake fans, were so happy that they won. Instead of rolling the quad, they rolled up Steve Forbes' front yard. Coach Forbes didn't notice that his wife had to point it out. Hey, did you notice this? What are you talking about? Oh, my front yard's been rolled. A performance for Steve Forbes and Ish Masood. I realized after the game, but not until after the game, it was his 300th career win as a coach in addition to his first in the ACC. B. Carleek Jones. Five straight games with 17 points or more. 24 against the Blue Devils. He's my front runner now for ACC Player of the Year. Watch Justin Champagny, who has terrific hair from Pitt. 12 in the first half, only 5 in the second. Didn't even get a lot of touches, which is inexcusable if you're Jeff Capel. But uh, Carly Jones has been consistent, a Radford transfer. A lot of guys from mid-majors transferring into the ACC and playing really well. We talked about that with Keeve, uh, with Wes Miller, about Keeve Aluma that he faced at Wofford and Davian Williamson, who he faced at East Tennessee State. Carly Jones is a B. Armando Baycott is a B as well. He's had 15 points or more in three of the last four. The Tar Heels finding its identity, finding their identity, only with 12 three-point attempts in their last three halves combined. They know they need to pound it inside, and big number five is the guy that you turn to in those spots. C. Matthew Hurt, Manny Bates, and Coach K. Got three in here. I'm giving Coach K a C because was his answer the best for that reporter, that student reporter? No. Did it warrant stories being written about it? Absolutely not either. It wasn't a bad answer considering Duke's lost three in a row and coaches have the right to be upset and not wanting to answer all of our questions after games. Good question by the reporter. I'm not knocking the student whatsoever, but I'm going to give Coach K's postgame a C in that it wasn't great, wasn't good, but it also wasn't terrible either. Matthew Hurt, boy, he had another great game. 24 points, 20 or more, and three of the last four. Manny Bates, we didn't even know if he was going to play against the Wolfpack or against North Carolina, excuse me. And... He went out there, was 5 of 6 from the field, had 7 rebounds. 
a number of blocks too and played 30 minutes in the game. Or excuse me, he had a number of steals in the game. Manny Bates, strong performance. That's somebody that Wake Forest has to be really concerned about when they go head-to-head -head with Kevin Keats Pack on Wednesday. D. The three three six boys from the pack. Cam Hayes, Shaq Moore, two points combined against the Tar Heels. Those are guys who are going to be relied on. It was great hearing Coach Keats' stories of recruiting those two kids, and we really are rooting them on. But after the great first impression they left, elevation... Expectations, excuse me, were elevated for their performance. And this is the second time in the last three or four weeks that they've been the subject of either a D or an F performance. Um, those guys, they're going to be great players. They just haven't been playing well lately. How much of that is the COVID pause? How much of that is, is it teams focusing more on them? I don't know. But expectations, they've been lifted for these two. They need to elevate their games against the Deeks. F. Clemson basketball. Plain and simple. Who boy, Robert. A month ago, we were talking about, not even a month ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about Clemson being the best team in the ACC. You had that argument you can make. Since the NC State overtime win, you have the pause that had Clemson out for 11 days. They lose to Virginia by 35 at home, 85-50. Then they lose to Georgia Tech by 18 points. And this weekend, absolutely mauled by FSU. Trailed by 18 at half. Ended up losing by 19. Florida State 80. Clemson 61. The Tigers have fallen off a cliff. They're not even a top 10 team in the ACC as far as I'm concerned right now. And that is a staggering fall in a very short amount of time for Brad Brownell's team. So Clemson, they are an F. Robert, you throw something random at me each week to grade. What are you going to give me this week? Uh, well, today is Bill Murray's wedding anniversary with his first wife on this day in 1981. He got married to her in Vegas, so I want you to grade uh, Bill Murray's cameo in Zombieland. I remember my brother, before I answer your question and get to the grade, he said, you need to take Bill Murray's dating advice. And I'm like, what was his dating advice? Before you get married to someone, you need to go on a trip with them. That way you'll know whether or not you want to marry them. I'm like, why do I want to take relationship advice from Bill Murray? I like Bill Murray, but then I looked it up and he has three wives, I think. Two or three. No, just two. Just two wives. Again, like, if, if you get divorced, I don't care. If you get remarried, I don't care. But I'm probably not going to take relationship advice from people that, you know, have had failed marriages. No, they probably. weren't failed. They were 10 years each. That's pretty good. If you can stand to be with somebody for more than 10 years, you're doing all right. I'll I'll listen to people that haven't had the divorces that have had 30 or 40 year relationships. Nah, see, those people are stupid and married to love. That's goofy. You can't trust love. I trust love. Well, love will stab you in the back. And for that, I will give you F. Oh, you're now grading me. Yep. Oh, what movie was it? Zombieland? Yep. I'll give it a B. Because as you said, it was a cameo. He appeared in it, 
But I wanted more Bill Murray. I wanted more Bill Murray as I always do when I watch him in movies. He's probably just a side feature in and could play a more prominent role. I think about the Wes Anderson movies, the Royal Tenenbaums. I think about the Life Aquatic. Actually, you know, he's pretty prominent in the Life Aquatic, so that's probably not a great example. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel probably want a lot more Bill Murray. So I'll give it a B, but it is great how he gets killed in that movie. Where he, he sneaks up, sneaks up on them, and he's wearing, he's dressed up like a zombie, so they think he's a zombie, so they shoot him. If you haven't seen Zombieland, it's been a dozen years. There is a point where it's no longer spoilers to talk about on the radio or on television. So I give it a B. What is your favorite Bill Murray movie? Uh, that's tough. I don't know. I've seen a lot of them. I'm probably going to go with uh, Garfield. Garfield. Wow. An <laughs> upset. Yeah, An right. upset. Garfield is Robert's favorite uh, Bill Murray movie. I probably go Life Aquatic. That's probably my favorite uh, Bill Murray movie. Let's go to Stewart in Greensboro who wants in on North Carolina's big men. Stuart, go right ahead. Yeah, just wanted to ask your opinion how the extra year of eligibility may impact the Carolina big man. I think we know Garrison Brooks is Garrison Brooks. He's probably not going to play in the NBA, could probably play overseas. Will he come back? I was talking to a former North Carolina player that played against Moses Malone and said that Sharp is just plays just like Moses Malone, so... Yeah. He's likely not going to come back. I think Baycott would be like another former um, Virginia player that Carolina had back then, and J.R. Reed. And then, thank you. You're very yes, welcome. Indeed. And um, with Walker Kessler, we don't know if he's going to be a Tyler Zeller or a Timo Mackinnon uh, from <laughs> the 80s. Yeah, Timo so, uh, your thoughts on Carolina big man yeah. moving forward. Thank you so much for the call, Stuart. Timo Mackinnon. That's a name I haven't thought about. I think there is some middle ground between Timo Mackinnon and Tyler Zeller. There are some people who probably don't know who Timo Mackinnon is, so I'll make it more modern. Is it how about teammates? Is it the Ware twins or is it Tyler Zeller? Because it has to be white bigs, right? <laughs> it's kind of how it works. Uh, Walker Kessler, he's going to come back. That's probably a two year player, if I had to guess. Looking at Dayron Sharp, he is an NBA player. That is a lottery pick that Roy Williams, Roy Williams has. Armando Baycott, I'd probably say Armando is going to go to the NBA after this year. If he doesn't, Robert, we get to play this another year. I, I really hope he just retires from basketball all around. We don't ever have to play the sound ever again. Okay. I would really so, appreciate it. I think he goes off to the NBA. The interesting one is Garrison. I don't know if this year will provide the type of closure that he wants. Uh, he wouldn't be drafted. So if you can return, why wouldn't you? You get to be the first ever Tar Heel to play five full seasons. <laughs> Um, that would be great. It would be great for Carolina if that happens. But I need to get to the important stuff that 
might be burying the lead. Appreciate the call from you, Stuart. Robert saying that Garfield's his favorite Bill Murray movie. I was really just trying to get off the mic because I had to finish typing this guy's info. And I, and I don't think Garfield is my favorite, but it's probably in the top five. Okay, what else is in the top five? Uh, I would throw Little Shop of Horrors in there. I would throw... I don't know. I've got to pull up his IMDb. Lost in Translation? Probably not. Kind of surprising. I like that movie. There's a number of movies that I didn't think were really good. But if you go back to the classics, how would you differentiate, uh, let's say, Groundhog Day from his appearance in Caddyshack, his role in Caddyshack? What are you asking me to do here? I feel like this is like a, a... How would you compare those? How would I compare his two movies, Caddyshack and what? Groundhog Day. I. What, what do you want me... I, which one's better? Why are you making this so difficult? No, I just... Don't get butt hurt. I just didn't understand what you were saying. Like, what? They're both movies about golf that Bill Murray is in. I, I pre- probably prefer Caddyshack, but that's just me. Then there's Space Jam, if you're talking comedies. If you're sticking with comedies from 25, 30 years ago, and I guess Caddyshack would be 40 years ago, those are the ones that I think you'd probably check off first. I know there's probably going to be some people saying, we're Scrooged! But those are the ones that stand out to me the most. Let's go to Mike. Timo Mackinen? Are we really talking about Timo Mackinen? What do you got? We This is going to be probably the second and the only other Timo Mackinen story in 2021, I predict. Okay, what do we got? I uh, played against him in high school when he was getting highly recruited, <laughs> and uh, I played for Ravenscroft out of Raleigh that I've heard you reference. Of course. I'm also from Wake Forest, North Carolina originally. But uh, Timo was there, I'll never forget it, seven feet tall, highly skilled. And uh, that night in Fayetteville, North Carolina, you had Coach Tacey from Wake, Dean Smith from Carolina, Krzyzewski. Um, I don't think it – I think it maybe was either Norm Sloman or Valvano, but they were all there to see Timo, and we upset them and went on to win at that time the only state basketball championship Ravenscroft had won. But there you go. Timo actually was not as stiff. He was highly skilled and, got to say, a very nice guy, too. But he was a legit seven-footer, and we had no starter over 6'3 and managed to beat him. There you go. Glad for the shout-out for the city of Wake Forest, too. Have a great weekend. Or it's only Monday. What am I doing? 